When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Leads That Podcast. I'm Paul and today I'm joined by James. Hello. And Rocco. Hello. I think you can probably tell in the tone of my voice that this is a happy occasion to be getting together. It feels very griefy and uh, we want to in some way pay homage to uh, a man who has undoubtedly changed all our lives. He's made Rocco a best-selling author for a start <laughs> um but it's it is still unbelievable I think when they talk about the stages of grief I'm definitely going through various ones and at the moment I'm in a very sad place I have been in denial for parts of today um we're recording this on Monday evening so we've just had within the last hour the uh the surprise out of nowhere announcement that um we have a new manager so I think we're just going to wade through and try and do a bit of memories, do a bit of uh, highlights and gratitude and also then uh, unpick our feelings on day that probably, well, I don't think any of us ever expected it would come. Maybe that's a good starting point. Did you guys think that or ever think that they would sack Marcelo Bielsa? No. I mean, I never thought they'd sack him this season and, and mid-season. Yeah, it's come as a, a real real shock. I think a lot of people were expecting it in the summer and but I I wasn't to be honest. Um but yeah, it sounds like it was in the heads and, and that was happening. So in a way, I suppose it's cushioned the blow a little bit for me hearing that because, you know, all that could have all that was left of the Bielsa era was was to keep us up. So, you know, it's not like he could have led us to European Cup glory, which was my my whole dream for him. Um so that's, a, yeah, it, it's cushioned the blow a little bit for me. But nevertheless, I still don't understand why they would get rid of him in the summer as well. But yeah, that's a def- different point. James? I, I'm i struggling to process all of it because there's so much to process. Like it's such a, a complicated subject to talk about because emotionally, like everyone is so attached to him. So like to put any sort of pragmatic decision making on it just feels rough, like we all wanted to just kind of see it out till the end, no matter which way it would go as a fan, you would be happy to just see it, see what happens until the end of the season. And, you know, football is a business and the people that have obviously had to make that decision have made a tough decision that I don't think any other fan would have made. And I don't, I don't think it's the right decision regardless of what the outcome is. You know, if we stay up, um, 
because it's essentially ripped like a massive hole in the club. You know, it was a hole that was missing for decades and it was finally filled and it's, it's gone. I had a friend who last week text during one of the games and they blurred into one for me because uh, not due to alcoholism, due to uh, the chronic nature of our leaky defence, uh, which may be the reason of which we no longer have Marcel Bielsa as the manager. I don't know. Um, but what I think it was, maybe during the Liverpool game, first half, I just got a text saying, Bielsa has to go. And he was at the game. It was just Bielsa has to go. So yesterday, text saying, well, you got what you wanted. He went, nah, I really didn't. When it happened, I realised... I've, I didn't want that. I didn't want this at all. It was, it's completely wrong. And, uh, I, if we uh, like go to the decision, so they've basically, well, Rajasani's on video tonight. He's come out and said, um, felt something was missing or something had gone uh, within the club and that this broken, needed, yeah, broken. broken. That's it. That's the phrase broken. And with 12 games to go, this was what was needed to uh, his number one priority above ever, all else is preserving the Premier League status. Now, I guess from a business perspective, out and out pure business perspective, being in the Premier League is the most important to them as a business. If you flip it round and say, if they're a business, who are the customers? We're the customers, right? the people who pay for tickets, the people who go, the people who buy the shirts, the people who invest in it. And making this decision has, it's not a 50-50 split of the fan base. There weren't half the fans delighted or desperate for him to go. It is absolutely destroying. And like the, in the statement, they've come out of Kadira saying, we've got to get be United behind, the, behind Jesse and we all know that we're going to, you know, we know you will get you'll get together and you'll give him that support, but really hard to do that at the moment. So, like, how as a business can you make a step that's going to alienate that proportion? It's like Rocco writing a book about all the just about the big defeats in the last week. That alienate his fan base. Ain't, ain't going to work. Where do we move next as a fan base? I mean, we we just we just have to have to roll with it, don't we? Um, I mean, I, I don't really, I don't get that point that a lot of people have made that oh, it's a business, you know, it's a business first and foremost. We have to stay up. Well, yeah. So that that's that's why you would stick with Bielsa, in in my opinion. That gives you the the greatest chance of survival. You know, putting your hopes on Bielsa winning three or four more matches um, rather than a huge throw of the dice. And and when you think about, I mean. You know, to me, Radrizani's ass has fallen out, basically, because when you look at the past, he stuck by um, Christiansen for three or four months. You remember when we played Borough at home and he did a big, mo uh, what's the word for it, on the East stand with together, you know, the words together when the team came out and everyone got behind Christiansen and, and we, you know, we had to stick together and he, he stuck with him for like two or three more months before finally sacking him. Um, it doesn't seem like there's been any, you know, patience whatsoever with Bielsa. It's like, a, it, this is like the, his first realistic chance to get rid of him. 
and he's got rid of him. I, I don't get it. I really, I really, I mean, it's such a risk. Like, fair, and it's no slight on the new manager or anything. It's anyone, come, whoever comes in. Like, we've seen it with Mourinho, where he's gone places. We've seen it with Conte. Um, you know, we know that managers can be good at one club and not good at another. Like, whoever we appointed was a risk, no matter what. So, I, I, I'm just, yeah, I'm really surprised. Does it feel a bit like a, a Brian Clough moment? It has potential for that. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to come in and say that everything you've done isn't, but he's going to come in. And how how do you make the connection with a manager when you've absolutely loved and adopted? He must be number two. Or for, for a lot of us who've owned, who didn't grow up in the Riviera, he is our number one. And we recognize and respect everything that happened in that era. But for us, it must feel in the similar kind of way that when you've, I'm going to go as far as to say for a lot of people worship someone and the change that they've made to a club for us. How on earth can you then transition to anybody coming in next? Could anybody have come in and what's he got to do for us to go to accept it? The reality is, is someone needs time like to transition. You need time and, and people need to, grow into liking someone when when you've got someone as massive as Bielsa that's come before him and but the club haven't given much time you know like if this goes south in the in the next few games and we don't make it up then not only have we lost like a huge part of of who we are now as as a football club but we're also back to where we were so what was the point you know and that's that's what where I question you know if we do get to that point, I hope Rad Rosani and I hope Orta look at themselves and say, was this worth it? Was this really worth it for what we got out of it? Yeah, I think it, it's hard because like, I mean, I've just, just listened to, um, you know, the new manager's first um, interview and he spoke really well. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm sort of in the mindset of, yeah, we, we have to get behind him. And, you know, it's, it's almost, you know, it's almost like there's no point even, questioning it because you know the players have to get behind him as well you know they want to stay in the Premier League as well it's you know it's all fist to the pump now it's it's almost like shit's got real you know whereas in my head anyway because I was so convinced that we weren't going down under BL so maybe I'm just like you know blind blind confidence in him but you know, now for me, it's like a full-blown relegation battle. You know, well, it, it was with Bale, so there's no doubt about it. But, like, now I'm worried, um, and I'm sure the players are too. So I suppose everyone's just got to suck it up and just go hell for leather now and, um, you know, the, not even think about the decision and how we've got here, um, which is, as hard as that is. And that is the question, are the players going to be able to do that? You know, they'll surely be demoralised at, at losing Bielsa, his job. Demoralise is interesting as well because our fan base doesn't help as well. You know, you've got fans at half time booing them and say, you know, shouting abuse at them, and you think, like, what what good is that doing? You know, you're you're a season ticket holder. If you don't want it, give your ticket to someone else. There's a there's thousands waiting to get a, get a seat in here who would support this team. They are human. I know we say this and it becomes a cliche. They are human, and I and I know a hundred percent for a fact it gets to them. So people need to really be careful about what they do, particularly now when everything's so precariously tilting in one direction. Do you think we'll still have that same giant list of people wanting to come and watch Leeds United if time? 
shows that we are heading in the right direction and people are starting to warm to a new manager and it, you know it just naturally feels like we're going in the right direction and there will still be that appeal but you know for us who've lived through it and been there it's like I say something's been ripped out of the club and it and it it pangs basically is how it feels yeah the, the hard thing for me as well is again you know it this isn't about who the manager is um and you know anybody coming to Leeds and replacing Bielsa is just a manager you know who's just trying to further his career whereas before we had Bielsa who was just you know so pure and you know the essence of beyond your wildest dreams really of what you would want in charge of your club whereas you know Marsh if he does well he'll probably be poached you know the following season you know Bielsa was a world-class manager that would never ever leave us and you know that shouldn't be underestimated either um so yeah you know we're, yeah we're just as people have said already like we're, we're just a normal club again now and I do feel like yeah the, the, that magic has gone and I can't imagine there being such a huge surge for tickets um you know in in the future but I hope I'm wrong. I hope he, you know, this guy might just continue as where Bielsa left off and who knows, he might, he might, might do better. So do you think hypothetically, we've got, we've got to, we are, it does feel like a grieving process, which I know that that sounds like this is no disrespect to anybody who is grieving because grief is horrible, but it feels like similar or a breakup, those kind of emotions where you're attached to someone and you're not getting to, it's a similar process. Um, We've had grief recently, Paul, and I, I feel bereft. That's exactly yeah. like the last few days have felt horrendous. And yeah. I think you attach so much of your life to football and leads. It's that's, Kind of how it feels. You do, and it's really like one of the things that I've genuinely struggled with over the last few years, and it's it's a, it is way more so in this last four years because of maybe the expectations being raised and other bits. And is how do you detach your mental health and your emotional feelings from that emotional investment that you've made in the football? Because you don't want to feel this low because of you've lost a game or someone's left a club or you've been relegated. How do you, you make such an emotional investment, which is why I think at this point in time, you do feel like this. Bielsa is quoted as saying something around that, isn't he? Football fans, all they really get out of football is emotion. Like everything they put in is, and all they get out. And it's, and it's true. We are, we are literally gambling our emotions on the outcome of what happens with our football club. And, and I, and I don't think you can uncouple it, Paul. I've tried to uncouple it before, but <laughs> it's impossible. So I think what I was going to, my thought process was going to, if if we get down to a point in a few months or even years time where that raw, raw genuine raw pain isn't there in the same way, and that or the raw feeling of what's happened this weekend, do you think we might look back and go, the way it ended for him, he never failed. He didn't get the chat. Like he didn't take us down. He didn't end. He didn't get to walk out on his own terms, but he didn't walk out on us, which he's done in other clubs. He, like the scenes around the people he's been greeting and going and seeing people and the goodbyes and everything have been like shown how much it means to him. Do you think, and he's been protected in some way from having that explosion disaster finish because they've written the final chapter for him. 
this is this is really going out on a limb to put a positive spin on Bielsa getting sacked, but uh, I, I think I'll put a positive spin on everything. So that's my only angle. <laughs> well, no, I, I was gonna I was gonna expand on it. So I, I was gonna say, um, if he was to have just left at the end of the season, and would have finished fifteenth or whatever, and everyone would have waved him off, and everyone would have been a bit like complacent about him leaving and, and maybe this way, you know, for him to see the outpouring of emotion and love and grief, you know, at the shock of him being sacked prematurely, you know, maybe in a way it is better that, that he goes like this, uh, you know, under these circumstances to truly feel the love and, and the loss that we feel rather than, I mean, I'd have felt really uncomfortable, you know, if the club would have announced before the Brighton match, the last home game, oh, this is Bielsa's last game, by the way. And then everyone's just cheering and waving him off. And thanks for that, Bielsa. Yep, see you later. We're going to go on to a new new manager now. That almost wouldn't have really felt right either. It's all, you know, I'd, I'd maybe prefer for him to see this grief than just sort of be, all right, thanks for those four years. You know, that's that. I think part of the reason that I'm upset is that you don't get a proper goodbye because yes, people, some people have managed to go and catch glimpses or he's got, he's gone around thanking people who've done personal things for him. And that's the way he does it. it I, I, I won't bet my house on it, but I, I very much doubt we're going to get a statement from Bielsa about his time here already kind of like, there might be the odd comment if he goes somewhere or something in the future, but it's very much a, off into the sunset moment for him. So I just feel, I do feel like we're, I'm not going to get that kind of closure <laughs> from him. It's like, he's keeping all my possessions. I've got no chance to go around to my house and get my photos and my cuddly teddy bear back. It's, it's just done. Just ripped off at the, uh, at the limbs. That wasn't a question. I don't know where we go next from this. I think um, I've been questioning in my head the last few days, like, how is he a legend? Like, why Why is he a legend? You know, because every, everyone always says, you know, it's the little things like seeing him in Morrison's uh, buying his bread or, um, you know, when he arrived in that VW Golf when they'd just won promotion, all the players were singing there on the exercise bikes outside the training ground and uh, just all those little stuff. But I think it is, it definitely is a combination of him completely flipping the club around and the human being that he is you know it's like the the two things have gone hand in hand like if he if he hadn't been able to turn us around would we be sat here having this conversation i don't know but it's the fact that he has been able to do something of such magnitude like that which turn a club around which no one's been able to do in decades and he's a humble human being who is just grateful for everything around him and lives such a normal honest life that you think immediately it's like he is a legend it's a combination of those things and i think um bielsa to answer your point from before paul bielsa is no way failed at all you know he's got the club he has got in the best shape it has been in absolutely decades as i keep saying and whoever comes in which we know is jesse has got the players in the absolute peak physical condition. He's got a team that knows how to win and grind out results if they need to. And we've, we've got to be thankful for that. I can't even look at that new guy. can't even look at a picture. don't care. It's like, <laughs> like people have compared it to a stepdad or something. It's like, 
ex with a new boyfriend, he can do one for me. But I think that's it as well. And, and he's sort of the antithesis of Bielsa because he comes from corporate America in a franchise system of football clubs. And Bielsa opposes all those things. It's like, of course, this is going to be jarring to the fans. Like, I think once the football starts, I do think that will all go out the window pretty quickly. Um, you know, it's, it sounds heartless really to say that considering how much we love Bielsa, but you know, as soon as kickoffs happens at Leicester or, or after the game, probably when we're all talking about it, um, it, it is it is as brutal as that, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's it it happened with in the Gary Monk era, uh, didn't it? Really, it's like we were all like gutted that Gary Monk didn't stay on, and but the difficulty with that was that it was a whole summer of waiting, whereas now we've got a week, I suppose. So, no, and Gary Monk's nice. a snake, and he is a snake. He doesn't even deserve mentioning the same podcast as Marcelo no, Bielsa. I did think that. I thought I, earlier I was thinking, when was I gutted? Like, we were gutted, but there's gutted, and that was kind of non-league Sunday morning gutted compared that, to this. That was the first sign of us heading in the right direction, yeah. like in a long time. And then it felt like if we couldn't renew that, we were screwed again and we were back to square one. So that that, that feeling was all of us thinking we finally made some progress and then... So you said before, what made uh, Bielsa a legend? What what kind of things did he do for our club? Where, what has he instilled in our fan base in the city? What has he done that has moved us forward from where we were four years ago in the summer of 2018 that may be long-lasting? Because although it feels like we're starting again from square one, we're really not in, in so many ways so... Where are we now that we weren't in any way, shape, or form at that time? What What is his legacy? God, <laughs> a running a running track at Thorpe Arch. He's yeah. got, he put a new gym in for the staff at Thorpe Arch. That he's paid for out of his own money. Give the goal moments against Aston Villa. He won the fair, uh, dirty Leeds won a fair play award. What does that tell you? There's just hundreds of things like lollipops to kids, <laughs> get off, get off the bus, um, hugging the the girl at the end of the derby game when we when we after the game where we had the guard of honour, and just little moments like that which are awesome. Which I think they're the stuff that you'll remember in all this. You know, we won't look back on this this day. I don't think too much in a few years' time. I hope not anyway. And we remember all the good stuff. Like when he wore broken glasses for about three months. <laughs> and, it, and then it turned out it was Patrick Bamford who smashed the ball at him. <laughs> I think the, like for Bielsa, for me, is that he's, he is the the greatest role model um, that, that we could ever have. You know, he is, he is, he is a godlike man. He, he's, he's just an unbelievable person. And if you ever want to teach your kids how to be and how to behave and how to treat people, um, then else as the man um, and then also at the same time as a football manager as well I mean you know I, I, I should have thinking about you know our managers starting to complain about decisions and you know all the things that you know normal managers complain about I, you know I really don't want to hear it I want I want I want him to be like Bielsa um, I want him to be humble and you know I don't want to be faking head injuries to to you know protect us from conceding from corners I really don't I just want him to I want him to have that same, you know, spirit of fair play and, and treat it as a sport. Like Bielsa seems to be the only person that treats it as a sport anymore. And, and that's not to say that he's happy to lose like some idiots will let you believe. But 
still it is a sport you know it, he's 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 putting on the show to make people happy to make the Leeds fans happy and yeah I, I don't you know I don't want to subscribe to the um you know the or the professionalism of the game, which is, uh, yeah, it just sickens me. So let's, I hope that Marsh is the same type of uh, character in, in that way. But yeah, we'll wait and well, see. I think that has shifted our expectations as fans because surely the vast majority are not going to tolerate that kind of behaviour from a manager or a squad. Certainly in the immediate instance, it's going to take a, a period of transitioning to where we're, calling for players to slow down or roll around on the floor or whatever, because we're not, we're, we're in a different place in terms of the standards that we expect. One of the things that you talk about there about him not, um, not being happy with losing course he's not, but he does, but a whole part of his philosophy was in appreciating and enjoying the process as much as the result. And that being the important thing. And that's what we've grown accustomed to. Like, we couldn't tolerate we've we've said before we've said we've sat here throughout the year or years and said we don't want to be burnley we don't want to be newcastle through large parts of the season and teams like that where it's like who wants to watch their team sit back soak it all up for 90 minutes and hit a, a, a like the chances of doing that and being able to be successful in that are so tiny and i'm not saying like Obviously, there were areas where we would all prefer that we had tweaked and changed, but you've got to respect the man for... I know some people would say that it's it's lunacy, like the defi- definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and expecting a different result. Well, that that's not Marcelo Bielsa's definition of insanity. That's the definition of consistency and uh, sticking to the plan. I think that we will... We're, we're going to have to give it a go and we're going to have to see where it goes. But I think our our standards as a as a collective have changed in terms of what we expect. It's, yeah, the consistency kind of brings his integrity. And, and like you said, uh, Rocco, like how he never complains about anything. I always, you know, we'd watch a game at Ellen Road and there'd be some decisions that were absolutely shocking. And you thought, well, this time Marcelo must say something about that. And and you kind of want him to just turn around and be like, "Ah, oh, Craig Parsons a dick," or, or whatever. But he never he never did, and and, and I, re, I really respect him for that because the fans the fans know and see through it that he's that he knows that there's been some terrible mistakes, but he never calls anyone out on it, and it's just a sign of an absolute class act, really. That is because it's like I'll give you a real life example. If I say to my daughter that her nana's house stinks of cooking. <laughs> That's like, she doesn't need to hear that. I just be nice about her, Nana, constantly. But I can think it and know that her house stinks and that we stink <laughs> when we come away from there. And that's what Marcelo's taught me. Yeah. And this is the thing I tried to say, like, make suggestions. He, he's, he, he is respectful enough to fans to know that we're intelligent enough to know that something's wrong without him having to tell us. 100%. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss the translations through the uh, press conferences. I think we've all tried to learn a bit of Spanish in these. Bueno. Uh, it's like, yeah. Did you know that every sentence in Spanish starts, bueno? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what it means? I thought it was just nice chocolate. Last four years then, what's been, what have been your favourite moments? I think it's too hard to define a moment, but like everyone's probably, if we're at a stage where we're looking back, what have been the things 
I mean, you could write a whole book about it, for example, but has there been a specific few things that, that really went, wow, this is special, this is different? I think the beginning. I think, um, although I missed the Stoke game, which is which is gut wrenching. Um, so my first game was Rotherham at home, and we we only won two 0 but within a few minutes, it was just you know I was my I was I was just completely you know breathtaking. It was it was just phenomenal to watch them playing one touch quick football, just taking the ball off Rotherham with such ease and and dominating them. And, you know, I, I spent the first half of the season or the first quarter, maybe just waiting for them to go back to normal. And, and yeah, it, it, it just went on from there. I, I mean, probably the, the Blackburn game on the back of the Villa game that Christmas, uh, those last minute winners. Um, I mean, football doesn't get much better than that. That was, uh, that was magic. I kind of keep thinking as well that did we... Did we, before Bielsa, lose sight of what good football actually was? Did we even know what good football was? Because we'd had bad football for so long. Like, I I honestly can't remember us having years and years of really good football inside uh, at Leeds. And and I think it's the same for me. I saw them in that pre, pre-season at York City, uh, which is 2018. And... You could tell that there was something different going on. The, they were the players were obviously still adjusting to it, but you could tell just how how we were um, that, that that something was going to be different. And that Stoke game, especially in the the run up, where Calvin had been at that press conference, hadn't he? And uh, but it was, like, oh, have you seen the odds or something? Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, it was that, wasn't it? And and it was just you knew it was kind of written in the stars from there. And and. We absolutely flew out at Stoke. And I think the thing that I remember is still that that lingering feeling of the last 15 years to that point where people were like, what are they doing? Passing it around the back. Why are they passing it to the keeper? And, and then being scared of like, why, why are you playing this risky pass? And then within 15 minutes, like all those worries had gone. And everyone was just enjoying this this football, and I think that that honestly sticks in my head because I saw people literally change in the stand their opinion of 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 the team and how we were playing, and it was like they were educated in fifteen minutes. It was crazy. So I'll always remember that. I was fantastic. first of all, there's no way that all your worries were ever gone. So <laughs> well, that, they never will be. No. That's ridiculous. But you've reminded me of that clip of uh, Luke Ayling when they were sat down watching. Go. Yeah, the crowd are all worried, aren't they? Because if they, they don't know that we can do this yet, that's sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, like, yeah, just it's just going to be full of those. And I just love that. I think we will for years and years just keep getting these stories and little anecdotes of, oh, Bielsa turned up on my doorstep and did this, or I saw him and he did this for this person, and the influence that it's going to have on people's lives. I just think he showed. Like, I I remember after a few games of it going, we're playing a different game, we're playing an entirely different sport to these other teams and it didn't matter that we didn't win every game and it didn't didn't matter recently and ultimately people talk about it being basketball or people talk about it being the high scoring and that he wants this and that and the other and you know that he doesn't and it and, and that it's not about that but equally you you do only get three points for a win whether you win 10-0 or 1-0 with a last minute winner and 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 the flip of that is that getting whacked in these last few games yeah, it's not been great, and obviously it may have an impact on on confidence. But if you if you win one game, uh, it, it's the same as 
drawing three boring games in a row and we've lose two, draw and win one. I know we haven't done that, but we have in, in previous little runs. We haven't played terrible football throughout every bit of those runs, like in those games. Lady Luck has not gone our way. That That isn't sugarcoating the fact that we've been exposed greatly. The runner game, I'm back to this now, the runner games we have coming up are the games where you might expect something. So if you get to, you know, Bielsa's never had us in the bottom three. Right, pretty much. I think I think we we were in the bottom three when we played Norwich, but is that because it was a Sunday? Maybe we've yeah. never maybe at the end of a game week, Rocco. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> so we'll go with that. Half time on the seventeenth uh, of February. <laughs> so I just think he had enough. Like, I'm going to give uh, this it, is the only time I'll do this. I'm going to give big respect to Burnley, right? Because they go down. They ain't sacking Sean Dyche, are they? He's got a job for life. And Bielsa had earned that credit with us, surely to God. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what is so surprising because we always thought, well, whatever comes out of this run of fixtures, Spurs, Man United, at least we know the other side of that, we've potentially got easier, easier challenges. And... I think that's why it was so surprising. It's like, bear in mind, the fans aren't that up in arms by the fact that we've conceded 20 goals in our last five games. Should tell you, from an ownership point of view, that you really need to read the room here (laughs) and understand understand what you've got. Because there's there's times where, you know, in the, you know, decades ago where we would have lost 2-0 to Man United at home and we'd had three results like that and people would be saying yeah out but no no pretty much no one has said it everyone's had a feeling of this uh, it's shit being pumped this much every week but you know we should be all right come this run of games um yeah like victor Orta has gone to the other side of the planet begged a man to leave his family and come and invest four years of his life transforming a club city individuals look at Calvin Phillips to like you can't look at anybody where the influence hasn't been hugely transformative. Um, even Augustine putting a comment on like social media, like it's it's huge. So to then go, yes, game over. Like, who do they think they are? And I'll tell you what, and it, but anyone who says I don't know how Rod Rizani sleeps at night, I do on a giant bed of money, right. And he probably won't care. Like ultimately, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a bit flippant about it, but he. No, won't I mean, the, the thing is as well. Like, if you compare it to Liverpool, I mean, the, the thing that breaks me is the fact that this has happened basically because Phillips is injured. Like, if Phillips hadn't been injured, we would have more points, and Bielsa wouldn't have been sacked. Like, that's practically a fact. So you just think, like Liverpool last season, they didn't have Van Dijk. They lost six home games in a row, I'm pretty sure of it, um, in the middle of the season. They dropped down to fourth or fifth. Like They were looking like they wouldn't get in the Champions League. Like It was as if it would be like them have, having sacked Klopp for that. You know, It's, it's exactly the same. It, it's almost worse because we've never actually been in the relegation zone, um, whereas Liverpool did look like they weren't going to get Champions League and they only got it you know, by a miracle at the end of the season. It just, yeah, it's just no common sense there. And yeah, it's just, just horrible to think that he's been out, been without his spine for three months and, and then he's sacked before they even get back. It's, you know, it'd be so much easier to take if, if he had his full team and it was still going wrong. 
I think we might be getting to the point where we're going to go around in circles with this, which I'm sure lots of people have done for the last <laughs> two days. I think we've hopefully had a chance to express bits of how we felt. And uh, it's good to talk. It's genuinely good to talk about things because typing it in the same as talking through things with uh, with your compadres, I do feel like I've managed to get bits of it off my chest. So I think really, for, for what it's worth... I just want to say thank you to Marcelo Bielsa for what he's done for our club and for the example he set us. I'm grateful that he stayed here longer than he stayed anywhere else, and I feel that that makes us that little bit more special and reflects on that. But the impact that he's had, unlike what I can say for anyone else in my lifetime that I remember in my match-going lifetime, certainly, will have a lifelong impact that you can look back on and uh, have changed the way that I personally... Uh, view the world so thank you Marcelo I'm sure you're listening on, on the flight back to Argentina anything you guys want to add well I'd like to say thank you to Marcelo Bielsa for everything he's done as well he's a bloody legend I'm going to really miss him it's really upsetting we love you gracias Marcelo Bielsa it has been a crazy ride when you think what what has happened throughout you know derby playoffs and all that not stuff. even mentioned Spygate, have we? Not even mentioned Spygate. It's literally been a whirlwind three and a half years. But I think when you look at legends at football clubs, you always look back and think that their time was massive, like that it was maybe like 10, 15 years and 20 years, whatever. And more often than not, it is always quite a short period of time. It's like three to six years or whatever. And, and I think, you know, it feels with a lot of people, it feels uncomfortable when legend is thrown around like players in particular, but he is an absolute legend and he will go down and lead United folklore as being one of the greats. And uh, yeah, just thanks for making me see the world. differently. And I really, I really do see it completely differently now to, to when he first joined. So yeah, I'm forever grateful. Thank you to anyone who's listened. I hope you've, uh, I don't know if it helps anybody process uh, what's going on by listening to us ramble through our processing uh, of our thoughts and feelings towards what's gone on and towards Marcelo Bielsa and towards the snakes here on the, sorry, towards the board. And uh, they're going to get, I think the next time we get together is a home game. Well, the game's the Leicester game, but then, obviously the home game against Arsenal Villa, I think they'll see the re- reflection and the outpouring. It's difficult to respect the new manager and think, oh, I've got to be careful about his feelings whilst actually showing an outpouring of love, respect and gratitude towards Marcelo Bielsa. But we'll be back. We'll just always have that point of reflection of what a special time and what a special person we've had uh, in our lives. Thanks, everyone. Podcast Network.